Chapter 19 of At the Time Appointed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. At the Time Appointed by A. Maynard Barbour. Chapter 19 The Return to Camp Bird. The day preceding Darrell's departure found him busily engaged in breaking camp, as he termed it. The assayer's outfit which he had brought from the mill was to be packed, as were also his books and quantities of carefully written notes, the results of his explorations and experiments to be embodied later in the work which he had in preparation, were to be sorted and filed. Late in the afternoon, Kate and her aunt, downtown on a shopping tour, looked in upon him. "'Buried up to his ears,' Kate announced at the door as she caught a glimpse of Darrell's head over a table piled high with books and manuscripts. "'It's well we came when we did, Auntie. A few minutes later, and he would have been invisible.' "'Don't take the trouble to look for seats, Mr. Darrell,' she added, her eyes dancing with mischief as he hastily emerged and began a futile search for vacant chairs. We only dropped in for a minute, and standing-room only will be sufficient. "'Yes, don't let us hinder you, Mr. Darrell,' said Mrs. Dean. "'We just came in to see how you were getting on, and to tell you not to trouble yourself about the things from the house. We will send and get them whenever we want them.' "'I was thinking of those a while ago,' Darrell answered, glancing at the pictures and hangings which had not yet been removed. "'I was wondering if I ought not to send them up to the house.' "'No,' said Mrs. Dean. "'We do not need them there at present, and any time we should want them we can send Bennett down after them.' "'We will not send for them at all, Auntie,' said Kate in her impulsive way. I shall keep the room looking as much as possible as when Mr. Darrell had it, and I shall use it as a waiting-room whenever I have to wait for papa. It will be much pleasanter than waiting in that dusty, musty old office of his. "'My room at the camp will look very bare and plain now,' said Darrell, "'after all the luxuries with which you have surrounded me, though I will, of course, get accustomed to it in a few days.' Kate and her aunt slyly exchanged smiles, which Darrell, in his momentary abstraction, failed to observe. They chatted pleasantly for a few moments, but underneath the light words and manner was a sadness that could not be disguised, and it was with a still heavier heart that Darrell returned to his work after Kate and her aunt had gone. At last all was done. The last package was stowed away in the large wagon, which was to carry the goods to camp, and the team moved up the street in the direction of the pines, where it was to remain overnight, ready for an early start the next morning. Darrell, after a farewell survey of the little room, followed on foot, heartsick and weary, going directly to the stables to see the wagon safely stored for the night. He was surprised to see a second wagon loaded with furniture, rugs, and pictures, all of which looked strangely familiar, and which on closer inspection he recognized as belonging to the room which he had always occupied at the Pines. 
He turned to Bennet, who was standing at a little distance, ostensibly cleaning some harness, but quietly enjoying the scene. "'Bennet, what does this mean?' he inquired. "'Where are these goods going?' "'To the camp, sir.' "'Surely not to the mining camp, Bennet. You must be mistaken.' "'No mistake about it, sir. They goes to the camp bird to-morrow morning. Them's Mrs. Dean's orders.' Darrell was more touched than he cared to betray. He went at once to the house, and in the hall, dim with the early twilight, was met by Mrs. Dean herself. "'I'm sorry, Mr. Darrell,' she began, "'but you can't occupy your room to-night. You'll have to take the one adjoining on the south. Your room was torn up to-day, and we haven't got it put to rights yet.' "'Mrs. Dean,' Darrell answered, his voice slightly unsteady, "'you are—' too kind it breaks a fellow all up and makes this sort of thing the harder mrs dean turned on the light as though for a better understanding i don't see any special kindness in turning you out of your room on your last night here she remarked quietly but we couldn't get it settled darrell could not restrain a smile as he replied i'm afraid it will be some time before it is settled with the furniture packed out there in the stables have you been to the stables she exclaimed in dismay a smile was sufficient answer if that isn't too bad she continued i was going to have that wagon sent ahead in the morning before you were up and have it for a surprise when you got there and now it's all spoiled i declare i'm too disappointed to say a word but mrs dean darrell interposed hastily as she turned to leave you need not feel like that the surprise was just as genuine and as pleasant as though it had been as you intended besides i can thank you now whereas i couldn't then that's just what i didn't want and don't want now she answered quickly if there's anything i can do for you god knows i'll do it the same as though you were my own son and i want no thanks for it either and with these words she left the room before darrell could reply everything that could be done to make the rooms look cheerful and homelike as possible had been done for that night the dining-room was decorated with flowers, and when, after dinner, the family adjourned to the sitting-room, a fire was burning in the grate, and around it had been drawn the most comfortable seats in the room. But to Darrell the extra touches of brightness and beauty seemed only to emphasize the fact that this was the last night of anything like home life that he would know for some time to come. It had been agreed that he and Kate were to have some music that evening, and on the piano he saw the violin, which he had not used since the summer's happy days. He lifted it with the tender, caressing manner with which he always handled it, as though it were something living and human. Turning it lovingly in his hands, he caught the gleam of something in the firelight, and bending over it saw a richly engraved gold plate on which he read the words to john darrell a souvenir of the pines from katie a mist rose before his eyes he could not see he could not trust himself to speak but raising the violin 
his pent-up feelings burst forth in a flood of liquid music of such commingled sweetness and sadness as to hold his listeners entranced mr underwood for once forgetful of his pipe looked into the fire with a troubled gaze he understood little of the power of expression but even he comprehended dimly the sorrow that surged and ebbed in those wild harmonies mrs dean her hands folded idly above her work sat with eyes closed a solitary tear occasionally rolling down her cheek while in the shadows kate her face buried on duke's head and neck was sobbing quietly gradually the wild strain subsided as the summer tempest dies away till nothing is heard but the patter of the raindrops and after a few bars from a love song a favorite of kate's the music glided into the simple strains of home sweet home and as the oppressed and overheated atmosphere is cleared by the brief storm so the overwrought feelings of those present were relieved by this little outburst of emotion a pleasant evening followed and except that the good nights exchanged on parting were tenderer more heartfelt than usual there were no indications that this was their last night together as a family circle darrell had been in his room but a short time however when he heard a light tap at his door and opening it mrs dean entered you seem like a son to me mr darrell she said with quiet dignity so i have taken the liberty to come to your room for a few minutes the same as i would to a son's that is right mrs dean darrell replied escorting her to a large armchair my own mother could not be more welcome you know us pretty well by this time mr darrell she said as she seated herself and you know that we are not given to expressing our feelings very much but i felt that i couldn't let you go away without a few words with you first i sometimes think that those who can't express themselves are the ones that feel the deepest though i guess we often get the credit of not having any feelings at all if i ever had such an impression of you or your brother i found out my error long ago darrell remarked gravely as he paused yes i think you understand us i think you will understand me mr darrell when i say to you that i haven't felt anything so deeply in years as i do your leaving us now not so much the mere fact of your going away as the real reason of your going i felt bad when you left for camp a year ago but this is altogether different then you felt and we felt that you were one of us that your home was with us and i hoped that as long as you remained in the west your home would be with us now although there's no change in our love for you or yours for us i know that the place is no longer a home to you that you do not care to stay and about the hardest part of it all is that knowing the circumstances as i do i myself would not ask you to stay you seem to understand the situation mrs dean how did you learn the circumstances darrell asked wonderingly she regarded him a moment with a motherly smile did you think i was blind 
I could see for myself. Catherine has told me nothing, she added in answer to the unspoken inquiry which she read in his eyes. She has told me no more than you, but I saw what was coming long before either you or she realized it. Oh, Mrs. Dean, why didn't you warn me in time? Darrell exclaimed. The time for warnings was when you two first met, Mrs. Dean replied, for two as congenial to be thrown together so constantly would naturally result just as it has. It is no more than was to be expected, and neither of you can be blamed. And, she added slowly, that is not the face of the affair which I most regret. I think such love as you two bear each other would work little harm or sorrow to either of you in the end, if matters could only be left to take their own course. I may as well tell you that I think no good will come of this scheme of David's. Mr. Walcott is not a suitable man for Catherine, even if she were heart-free, and loving you as she does, as she always will, for I understand the child. It would have been much better to have waited a year or two. I have no doubt that everything would come out all right. Of course, as I am not her mother, I have no say in the matter and no right to interfere. But mark my words, David will regret this, and at no very distant day either. I know that nothing but unhappiness can come of it for Kate and that is what troubles me far more than any sorrow of my own, said Darrell in a low voice. It will bring unhappiness and evil all around, but to no one so much as David Underwood himself, said Mrs. Dean impressively as she rose. Mrs. Dean, said Darrell, springing quickly to his feet, you don't know the good this little interview has done me. I thank you for it and for your sympathy from the bottom of my heart. I wish I could give you something more practical than sympathy, said Mrs. Dean, with a smile, and I will if I ever have the opportunity. And one thing in particular I want to say to you, Mr. Darrell, so long as you are in the West, whether your home is with us or not, I want you to feel that you have a mother in me and should you ever be sick or in trouble and need a mother's care and love, no matter where you are, I will come to you as I would to my own son. They had reached the door, Darrell too deeply moved for speech and knowing her aversion to many words, bent over her and kissed her on the forehead. Thank you, mother. Good night, he said. She turned and looked at him with glistening eyes as she replied calmly, "'Good night, my son.' The household was astir at an early hour the next morning. There were forced smiles and some desultory conversation at the breakfast-table, but it was a silent group which gathered outside in the early morning sunlight as Darrell was about taking his departure. He dreaded the parting, and as he glanced at the faces of the waiting group, he determined to make it as brief as possible for their sakes, as well as his own. The heavy teams came slowly around from the stables, 
and behind them came Trix, daintily picking her steps along the driveway. With a word or two of instructions to the drivers, Darrell sent the teams ahead. Then, having adjusted saddle and bridle to his satisfaction, he turned to Mr. Underwood, who stood nearest. "'My boy,' said the latter, extending his hand, "'we hate to spare you from the old home, but I don't know where I would have got a man to take your place. With you up there I feel just as safe as though I were there myself.' "'Much obliged, Mr. Underwood,' Darrell replied, looking straight into the elder man's eyes. I think you'll find me worthy of any trust you may repose in me, at the camp or elsewhere. Every time, my boy, every time, exclaimed the old gentleman, wringing his hand. Mrs. Dean's usually placid face was stern from her effort to repress her feelings, but there was a glance of mother-love in her eyes, and a slight quivering of her lips as she bade him a quiet good-bye. But it was Kate's pale, sweet face that nearly broke his own composure as he turned to her last of all. Their hands clasped, and they looked silently into each other's eyes for an instant. "'Good-bye, John. God bless you,' she said in tones audible only to his ear. "'God bless and help you, Katie,' he replied, and turned quickly to Trix, waiting at his side. "'Look at Duke,' said Kate a moment later, as Darrell sprang into the saddle. "'He doesn't know what to make of it that you haven't bade him good-bye.' Duke, who had shown considerable excitement over the unusual proceedings, had bounded to Kate's side as Darrell approached her, expecting his usual recognition. Not having received it, he sat regarding Darrell with an evident sense of personal injury, quite pathetic. Darrell looked at the drooping head and smiled. "'Come, Duke,' he said, slowly starting down the driveway. Kate bent quickly for a final caress. "'Go on, Duke,' she whispered. Nothing loath to follow Darrell, he bounded forward. But after a few leaps, on discovering that his beloved mistress was not accompanying them, he stopped, looking back in great perplexity. At a signal from her— and a word from Darrell, he again started onward, but his backward glances were more than Kate could bear, and she turned to go into the house. "'What are you sending the dog after him for, anyway?' inquired her father himself, somewhat puzzled. "'I have given Duke to Mr. Darrell, papa,' she replied. Something in the unnatural calmness of her tone startled him. He turned to question her. She had gone, but in the glimpse which he had of her face he read a little of the anguish which at that moment wrung her young heart, and happening at the same time to catch his sister's eye, he walked away silent and uncomfortable. End of chapter 19 Read by Lars Rolander